Welcome to the Business Meet Soul podcast. I'm your host, Tara Hegarty, and on this show, you can expect powerful soul-shifting conversations to help you effortlessly expand, align your energy, and unlock your infinite potential in life and business. Because your definition of success isn't determined by an endpoint or goal. For you, success is the byproduct of being who you are, doing what you love, and living in alignment with your soul. Are you ready to anchor into deeper layers of abundance, service, and freedom together? Let's dive in. It's my absolute pleasure to introduce Debbie Solaris to you today. She's not only a historian, but a rare breed of galactic historians, and there are only a handful of these in the world, so a very select and specialised group. And Debbie had a life-changing experience back in 2012, and from then on, awakened to the true history of Earth and the suppressed history of our galaxy. And through her specialized connection with the Akashic Records, she's been receiving downloads of galactic historical information and universal spiritual knowledge ever since. And she feels it's a big part of her mission while here on Earth to help awaken others to their true divine selves and cosmic origins. Debbie, you've opened my eyes about Earth's place in the multiverse and about a greater organization of cosmos that's being orchestrated by the multiple councils that exist on every level from the central universe to the local planetary system. So I'm so excited to be talking to you today. Welcome, Debbie. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here and uh, connecting with all the Australia folks and, you know, the people in the Pacific Rim. So thank you for having me. Oh, well, welcome. It's a great joy because I feel like we're going to have some very different information come through this conversation. And that's very exciting because I too work in the Akashic Records. So I'm going to be yeah. learning a lot from our time together. Thank you. Before we dive in, so people can really get a deeper understanding of your work, can you describe in a few words what the soul of your business looks and feels like? And then we'll move on from there. Sure. Uh, well, um, the way I came about this journey was kind of by happenstance. So I never set out to be an Akashic reader. You know, I never really thought I would ever be doing this kind of work at all. You know, as a matter of fact, um, I spent a lot of my lifetime working in very, I would say, uh, very you know, masculine oriented field. You know, I, I was in the military for a few years. Um, I was active duty Navy uh, worked in environmental health for quite a few years. Um, so I worked with the local health departments. So I, I would say I lived a very ordinary life. Um, so I, I feel like because of that, um, maybe people can find me somewhat relatable because I've gone through all the same things they're going through, you know, as far as working a 3D job or trying to manage you know, career with a relationship and family and all that, you know, just trying to live day to day, you know, existing in the 3D matrix. Uh, um, so with that understanding, um, when I, I became awakened in 2012, I actually had 
two uh, extraterrestrial contact experiences on board an Arcturian starship, uh, which was pretty freaking amazing. I mean, it was like unlike any experience anybody could ever have, you know. So, so after those two experiences, uh, I became more awakened to my extrasensory perception and started tuning in to the higher dimensional energies, higher dimensional realms, was starting to get downloads of information about astronomy and galactic history, like you mentioned. And, and then I was finding that I was able to access not just, you know, I would say generic information, but also very specific information about uh, specific people that I was around, you know, so it was, it was just like downloading just random information about people just about their star origins or their past lives or their star guides. And I don't know, it was just kind of very, very expansive. So, um, so I decided at that point that I was going to take Akashic records reading courses, you know, just to kind of fine tune my skills and, I started off relatively casual, you know, I just kind of did readings here and there on a part-time basis for people I knew, people that were, you know, reaching out to me locally or, or online. And then it just kind of expanded from there. It was just kind of like more and more people were finding out about me. They were coming to me for readings. And then eventually I started doing readings for some folks that worked at the Gaia um, headquarters, TV headquarters here, which is located here in Colorado. So it's, they're actually like an hour's drive from me. Uh, so I did a few readings for those folks. And so the Gaia people were starting to get to know me. And then in 2019, um, I was invited to speak on the Beyond Belief show with George Norrie. And that's where I would say, I would say my career was pretty much already um, on track, but that's when I, I think I got really expanded, you know, into, you know, I would say the planet, you know, ex extensively, you know, so I would say the scope of my work, you know, if I had to summarize everything is, um, I'm probably one of the few Akashic readers out there that um, actually accesses the, the galactic Akashic mm -hmm. records. So I look beyond the earth records. So a lot of Akashic readers I notice only read earth records. I'm like, why would you limit yourself to just the earth records when there is a whole universe of records out there? Um, so I'm, I'm one of the few that is able to access that at this time. I, I'm, I'm actually working on changing that, though, and, uh, and able to access that per each of my clients, many who are starseeds themselves. So many of my clients are also starseeds or from alternate dimensions. And when they came here to Earth, just like I did, we all went through this veil of forgetfulness. We forgot everything, you know? So, so we spend like half a lifetime, like, what am I doing here? What's my mission? What am I life purpose? Why did I just choose to be here? You know, so we have all these questions. And then, uh, so when I do an Akashic reading, I'm helping people to remember who they are, remember where they've been, remember 
you know, what specific gifts they may have or what's their mission here? You know, why did they decide to come here? So, so this is a lot of this is very life-changing information, you know, so. Um, what an incredible journey, like from, and, and that's obviously how you got involved into the galactic yeah. history side of things. And it's so interesting yeah. because I've heard that. And I have a strong sense that Earth was apparently offline and not fully part of the galaxy, but now we're fully integrated and we're remembering that we're galactic citizens. And this is being echoed in the sessions I'm having with clients as well, which is wonderful. And these clients are from all walks of life who are everyday people. Oh, yeah. You know, you said Gaia, you know, um, people from Gaia. You know, there's teachers that I've got coming through, property developers, finance managers, all who are in the system and having these right. profound experiences that are suddenly giving them this greater awareness of life beyond here on earth. But some of them I've noticed, and I'm sure you probably have picked this up too, are, are yeah. keeping quite fearful and quiet because if they start sharing their experiences, people will call them crazy. But it's oh, thanks totally. to the likes of, you know, Dolores Cannon's work, past life aggression, um, energy healers yourself that we can see that thousands upon thousands are describing like similar experiences um tell me debbie is there a level of um acceptance that comes through on your clients knowing that 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 they have this confirmation that they are multidimensional and that they know that they where they actually truly come from now and perhaps that those strong feelings that they had are is like this they are an old soul that has had many lifetimes but not necessarily yeah, here on earth yeah, I would say uh, the information that comes through during a galactic Akashic reading is mm. really life-changing. I would say it just trans, it has a way of activating and trans transforming the client and to helping them reach their fullest potential of who they are as a divine child of the universe, uh, as a soul shard of source, you know, so uh, so I, so my feeling, you know, I think when I'm doing these readings is I kind of feel like sometimes I'm hijacking people's memories, you know, their old soul memories that maybe they didn't have access to because we go through this very dense reality here on earth and we get heavily programmed to disconnect from, you know, our higher selves or higher guidance. And so, so when they have an Akashic reading, it reconnects them to their higher self. It reconnects them to their star families. It reconnects them to their old soul memories. So, so I'm just kind of helping them facilitate the process of their own awakening, you know. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure you do the same thing with you know the readings that you do. But um, yeah, yeah. For me, um, even even a reading with you, I personally have had one with you. I felt this sense of um, relief that came yeah. over my body. Um, and yeah. I felt so much more at peace and ready to really embody um, my frequency fully without self-doubting. And, you know, there is so much, there's so much more than just this lifetime that we're experiencing. We're looking at something truly more galactically magnificent, aren't we? And it makes our evolution feel so much more positive, exciting and inspiring too. Yeah, oh, totally. I know this information has personally completely transformed my life. I mean, I don't think I'm the same person as I was even five years ago, let alone, you know, I would say 10 years ago when I started yeah. doing this work, you know, so, um, and I, and I've heard the same from a lot of my clients, you know, that this life, I mean, this information or, you know, this access to this galactic, um, 
you know, infusion of information just changes them, you know, just yeah. uh, transform them. And, uh, and then there's, they're starting to step into their true potential, you know, who they truly are. And just like you, a lot of my clients too, they're very professional, very, um, I would say, uh, high functioning kind of people, you know, so <laughs> I would say the majority of them, you know, fall into that category, but they feel this sense of unfulfillment, you know, even with all their, you know, I would say 3D successes or um, professional or personal successes they might have in their life. They feel this sense of disconnectedness from who they truly are. So, so it's not like an elitist sort of thing, like, oh, you're a star seed that makes you really special. It's not that it's more of you're a star seed. So that means that you're really here to be stepping into a big mission to be of service to humanity. And mm. when people, uh, get, you know, are able to connect to that, then they're like, oh, yes, yes, I, I, I do have that mission or I do. I've always felt that about myself. Uh, let me step forward with this now. Yeah. Yeah. We're, and we're, and I guess on top of that, like we're all moving at different speeds depending on our oh, yeah, totally. contracts and soul journey and no judgment or comparison here, but everyone's on oh, no. individual journeys, aren't they? Um, do you have a sense that the galactic beings are aiding this awakening, this shift in awareness? And if oh, so, totally. how, do, how does free will play a part in that? Oh, that's a, that's a really a interesting question. Um, I do think, um, the, the free will is still being, I would say, honored in this process, because even though these beings are assisting us, um, I think a lot of us on a higher soul level have asked for this assistance or have contracts with these beings that, hey, at a certain period of my life here on this planet, um, please reconnect with me or please uh, bring in the right people to uh, connect with so that I can become activated to my mission. So we, this has all been pre-orchestrated even before our, our, you know, incarnations here. So the free will is still being honored and respected, but um, these beings are assisting us because um, they are part of our star family and they have a vested interest in planet earth because so much of these star genetics have been, I would say, implanted here, you know, so all of us as human beings, as um, sentient beings on this planet, we carry the star genetics of many different star races, you know, so, so we're all kind of like this Heinz 57 of, you know, different <laughs> star people. Uh, but it's kind of interesting. I don't know if you've seen this in some of your readings, but a lot of times, like what I see in readings with in, spe in specific, uh, you know, specifying like somebody's, you know, specific star lineage is that a lot of times they'll try to find an earth family that has a certain amount of genetics from their home system so that they can have a DNA marker. So their soul DNA matches the physical DNA so that they can incarnate it here on earth. Uh, so with a lot of, say, Pleiadians, for instance, they might choose to incarnate in families that have Northern European genetics, you know, because uh, there was a lot of 
Pleiadian uh, colonies in that area of Earth, you know, I would say hundreds of thousands of years ago, you know, or, or millions of years ago. Uh, maybe uh, some folks that are aligned with Sirius might choose to incarnate in Africa or mm -hmm. South America, you know, so... So um, a lot of us will have contracts with certain earth families. Yeah, I'm just stepping into this space too. I'm getting, a, obviously, the more uh, my awareness expands in, in this space, um, the more people yeah. are, are attracting and coming into my field as well. Uh, but I think it's so exciting that we're now being held in this much higher frequency that we can have these um, realisations that we are connecting with, you know, certain families on earth and everything so and I know we've touched on a little bit more about these different star seeds um oh, so yeah, I'd love totally, you just yeah. to share a little bit more about just the popular races of the star seeds um oh yeah sure, sure. particularly the, yeah the Lyrans maybe the Syrians and the Palladians and and the, yeah and, we'll, we'll go and over the, that and if we have time races. maybe we can hit the Arcturians and Andromedans too since we that would be those races too yeah so yeah um so I would say the majority of us, um, with a few exceptions, but the majority of us have connections with Lyra and or Vega, um, so, which is actually the same, same constellation. So Vega being the biggest star that's in the Lyra system. Uh, Vega is also known as Alpha Lyrae. Uh, so it's the biggest, and it's actually what, probably one of the most important star systems in our galaxy. Uh, because it was the home of the original human temple, you know, so the human races were created in the Lyra constellation uh, by the Elohim, by, you know, the higher dimensional beings that were the co-creators, uh, and with some of them being uh, felines that came from other universe, you know, so there was a feline group that were master geneticists that came in, you know, from other universe. Uh, so they kind of ended their cycle in this other universe and started ours here. Um, so they created various versions of themselves. Uh, so for that reason, I get Laren star seeds that are either predominantly humanoid or some that have some feline genetics or some that have some avian genetics. So there's also that avian yeah. influence in, in the Lyra, you know, genetics. Uh, so Lyra was the place where everything began. So uh, millions of years ago, the co-creators created this paradise system with, you know, and they created two human races to represent the two different sides of source consciousness, which was the father God consciousness and the mother goddess consciousness. The white Lyrans um, were more the father God consciousness. They were more physical. They were more outwardly focused. They were agricultural. Uh, they had many beautiful abilities. I mean, these were very service to others types of beings, you know, so they were, um, very connected with source, very connected with their planets. Uh, the, the blue Vega beings were the mother goddess consciousness beings. So they had blue skin. They were more aligned with spirituality and healing. Um, a lot of people feel a connection with, with Vega as well. Um, and th these were our root races. So this is where all the other races were developed from, with the exception of maybe 
some of the Andromedan races or, or some of the Arcturian ones uh, and some others, you know, but I would say quite a few of the more popular star system, you know, star races that um, a lot of us here on Earth are connected to are descendants of the Lyra Vega people. Uh, so each of these groups, um, uh, they lived very beautiful paradise lives for thousands of years. And a lot of us have memories of living on a paradise planet or living in a place where we were all connected, where everything was beautiful. We're connected with nature. We're connected with fairies. We're connected with cat beings and bird people. And I mean, it was, it was pretty freaking awesome. And then, and then there, uh, but Lyra had the misfortune of being connected or very, very located, very close to a very dark system called Draco. And Draco uh, was where the reptilian beings came from. Actually, they originated from another universe, but they got kicked out of that universe and ended up in Draco and they were pissed off, you know, so they were just ready to conquer the entire galaxy. So they saw Lyra and they said, wow, those planets look really nice. They got a lot of resources. And our planets here in Draco really suck. You know, we don't have any resources. <laughs> so we need to conquer that system, you know. So they, and they were pretty sneaky about it. I mean, the Draconians are masters of deception. You know, they, um, you know, they won't outright just, um, tell you what they want, you know, they're going to be really sneaky about it. And so they deceived the Lyrans into believing that, hey, we want this peaceful treaty. We want to be your friends. You know, let's all get together. Kumbaya, you know, and then, and then uh, the Lyrans, you know, I think naively let the Draconians um, have access to their planets, which they were using to, to gather information on what was the best areas of attack and then they ambushed the Larians. and it was the most catastrophic war that has ever happened in our universe Larians were smart people okay they weren't stupid yeah. you know um but i think because they had lived in complete harmony and you know peacefulness and unity consciousness for thousands of years they kind of let their guard down you know they were kind of like you know well you know, why shouldn't we trust these beings? Yeah, they look a little scary, but, you know, they just want some resources. We have plenty, you know, we can share with them, you know, and they got really great technology. Maybe they'll share some of their technology with us, you know. Yeah. So I think part of it was naivety. Part of it was maybe some brainwashing from the draconian standpoint. Um, they do that here on Earth, too. Um so Avalon and Avion, which was two of the biggest planets in the Lyra system outside of the Vega star system, uh, got attacked. Okay, uh -huh. so the Draconians ended up, um, I would say, destroying at least five planets, as far as my understanding. They, they say between three to five Um and they say 50 million Lyrans lost their lives. Uh, complete planets were annihilated. And the survivors ended up pretty much having to leave the system. You know, so, so they all dispersed out into the galaxy. So it was not just, 
oh, everybody went to the same place. They all went to different parts of the galaxy. So the Lyran race ended up evolving to Syrian, to Pleiadian, to Aldebaran, Headian, um, uh, with some other ones, Andromedan, uh, or, um, or humanoid Andromedan anyway. Um, Apollonia, Alpha Centauri. Um, I mean, there was many, many, many systems that, you know, they, they ended up colonizing. Uh, so to me, that tells me these people were smart. Okay. They weren't stupid. Okay. I mean, I thought, I, th I think sometimes Lyra gets a bad rap in the meta, you know, the, you know, the starseed world because, oh man, they got their butts kicked by, you know, the Dracos, but they were actually smart people. I mean, to survive with absolutely nothing left, I mean, that takes a lot of ingenuity and, you know, as far as I'm concerned. So, um, so this is our lineage, you know, so we come from very, you know, creative and resourceful and intelligent people. Um, so um, you asked about some of the other systems. Sirius was one of the first systems that got colonized after the Lyra Draconian Wars. Uh, so my understanding with Sirius is that it was mostly influenced by Vega beings, you know, so it was predominantly a Vega civilization, but there was a lot of intermixing with Lyrans and Vegans because some of the Lyran ships ended up there too. Um, and then there's some, there's some accounts of some of the Syrians that colonized earth and they interacted with Lyrans on earth, you know, so there was, you know, so it was much intermixing, but mm -hmm. so eventually they went from having dark blue skin to having kind of more of a lighter blue skin tone because of the genetic intermixing. Um, but for the most part, Sirius, um, particularly Sirius A, was mostly humanoids and cat beings. Um, whereas I think Sirius B was mostly aquatic beings and dog beings, you know. So, uh, so we have like a lot of diversity on Sirius. And then Sirius C, which I think eventually got destroyed was mostly, so reptilians too were escaping the wars, you know, so they, some of them were just like, you know what, I had it, you know, I'm not want to be a part of this. I'm going to escape the Sirius Sea, you know, mm -hmm. so, so some of them too um, were also trying to escape the wars, you know, so not, not even some of the reptilians were on board with all the destruction, you know, so a lot of them were just looking for someplace peaceful, you know, to hang out in. So, so Sirius C had mostly reptilians and reptilian hybrids. Um, where uh, one of the races of which we now know is the Anunnaki. So I, I do believe they're connected with Sirius uh, C. Um, so that's where the planet Nibiru used to revolve around. Uh, so a lot of Syrian star seeds. Uh, so I, I, I didn't get a chance to talk about Laren star seed traits. Uh, maybe we'll go, oh, go with yes. that. Yeah. And, then, yeah. and then we'll go to um, Syrian star seed traits. So yes, Larens tend to be very much connected to nature. Yeah. A lot of you guys love, 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 love plant medicine. You love anything that has to do with connecting with nature. Okay. Um, so, uh, 
The other thing I see with Larens is that you guys are very open-hearted, very empathic, very, um, uh, I would say childlike, um, whimsical. Uh, so, um, and I would say generally very good-hearted people. I mean, just beautiful, loving, good-hearted people. Uh, vegans are similar, in this, but the difference between the vegans and the larens, the white larens and the blue vegans is that vegans, white larens are, are actually quite physical. They enjoy physical activity. They enjoy doing hard, working hard, mm-hmm. you know, getting involved with sports, uh, um, blue vegan people were more introspective. They were more oriented towards, um, more divine feminine energy. So these were people that were very deep into energy healing, uh, you know, working with also with plant medicine, but, um, uh, maybe a little bit more shamanic in their processes, but, uh, but definitely, uh, a very important race of people too. Uh, Syrian people were, uh, very practical, um, because they're a mother goddess consciousness oriented people, they were super practical. So they understood that, Hey, we live in the physical reality. So we need to ramp up our technology. We need to have starships. We need to be, um, on the cutting edge. And they were very much on the cutting edge, uh, of technology, but they also, I think, retain their connection to spirituality and healing. Um, the Syrian mystery schools were developed in Sirius. I would say Syrian people are very zealous about being of service to others. Um, that's their mantra. Um, the highest honor is to be of service to others. Um, so a lot of them end up becoming healers or teachers or um, a lot of them go into medicine. And so I get a lot of Syrian star seeds that are nurses and doctors, you know, here on earth, you know, because they're attracted to the healing aspect fields, yeah. Yeah, you know, um, and uh, they're a little more serious than the Pleiadians. The Pleiadians are a lot more fun loving than uh, Syrian people. I mean, they're beautiful, loving people, but maybe a little more serious, a little bit more um, mission-oriented. Pleiadians tend to be all about love and light and following your bliss. You know, Syrians are more about how can we be of service, you know. So, um, uh, but they were uh, one of the races that was visiting Earth very early on. So Earth has a lot of influence from Sirius, A lot of our systems, you know, our governmental systems, how we do things um, came from Sirius as well as Orion. So, um, so these are very important star system. Uh, I have great respect for Syrians. Uh, Mm -hmm. My partner is a Syrian star seed. So he's, he, he takes care of all the practical things (laughs) because I'm definitely not that kind of person. So, uh, but um, but they tend to be really good at business, really. Uh, so you see a lot of them that uh, work in the corporate America, you know, they, they're finance, <laughs> you know, they go and work in finance or insurance or so you see a lot of that, too. But, um, but a lot of them end up 
having this epiphany and they're like, you know what? I don't want to do this 3D thing anymore. I want to be a healer. I want to be. Um, so the Syrian mystery schools were also one of the big developments in Sirius. Um, a lot of influence to earth from the Syrian mystery schools, you know, so a lot of ascended masters are associated with those schools. So, um, yeah, it's a lot of us. Interesting you say the mystery schools because um, we're stu- at studying uh, kinesiology, a lot of us feel that we're at mystery school together. So that's, yeah, mm-hmm. very confirming that, you know, these visions that we're having and these conversations that we're having. Um, oh, that's really awesome right uh, because yeah. uh, whenever I see the Syrian mystery schools and the Akashic records, they didn't te- just teach esoteric spirit- spirituality. They yeah. also taught a lot of heal taught a lot of healing modalities. Yes. And kinesiology is one of those that came from Sirius. So uh yeah. that's really cool that you guys are having these memories. Uh yeah. I have memories too of the Syrian mystery schools. They were hard schools, they weren't easy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that's reflecting in what we're learning at kinesiology at the moment. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they were they weren't yeah, they weren't easy. Uh they were pretty challenging, but yeah. I think since we're all here, we must have did okay in the schools. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, um, so anyway, uh, we'll move on to the Pleiadians. Yeah, that would be great. Yeah, so Pleiadians was also another one of these, um, these star systems that was colonized by the Laren, um, Laren refugees after the wars. Uh Unlike uh, Sirius, it was predominantly Laren, okay, in the uh-huh. Pleiades. Um, and the majority of them came from the Avalon planet. So uh, um, so the Avion planet kind of dispersed all over the place, but majority of Avalon escapees ended up in the Pleiades and yeah. Aldebaran and, and the Hyades. Uh, so... Uh, so the Pleiadian um, people, because their system was so large, and I and I think actually they picked the Pleiades because it's so freaking far away. Yeah. It's like five hundred light years to the wow. Pleiades. I mean, that's far. You know, it's it's. I think they were trying to get as far away from Draco as possible. <laughs> like let's let's choose that. That looks like a big system. Let's just go we'll there. Go there. <laughs> yeah, so. So they ended up settling in out the two biggest systems, which was Alcyon and Taigeta, which mm-hmm. Pleiades is more than one star. There's like 14 stars, uh, seven of which are really well known. And uh, um, Alcyon was kind of like the cent- centermost point of Pleiadian civilization, but Taigeta was kind of like the base of their their star fleet, it was very technical. Um, so it was also a very important star system. So a lot of, Ple- you know, Laren refugees ended up settling in these systems. And then eventually they spread out to other systems in the Pleiades, like Merope and Maya and Electra, you know, so, mm-hmm. so those systems also got colonized after a while. Um, so what's interesting about the Pleiades system is, you know, pretty much Pleiadians have a similar culture, but depending on what star system you might have incarnated into might determine like what your interests are or what your gifts are, because I get a lot of technical Pleiadians that have had connections with Taigeta and Electra, but then I get 
healers, um, Palladian healers that are very connected with Maya and Merope um, or Pleione. Um, and then we get the Pleiadians that are kind of like the jack of all trades that are the creative ones that come out of Alcyon, you know. So, um, so I get a lot of musicians that are connected with Alcyon uh, because else that was like one of their big specialties on Alcyon was music. Um, so a lot of Pleiadian star seeds are super creative. I mean, they're one of the most creative star seeds. Uh, um, they really, I would say, honored the arts. Um, you know, they uh, so um, a lot of Pleiadian star seeds too. Um, because they're super empathic people, they love to work with animals. I, I get a lot of Pleiadian star seeds that work with animals. Uh, they, they either end up becoming veterinarians or vet techs or um, rescue. They, they do rescue work or they are dog groomers or, I mean, I don't know, <laughs> you know, animal communicators, I don't know, you know, or uh, animal psychics, you know, so you get a lot of Pleiadian star seeds that are attracted to that kind of work. Yeah, Pleiadian star seeds are super, super empathic, super sensitive people. So they don't like a lot of disharmony in their environment. And they're not very well suited to corporate nine to five kind of jobs. Uh, they'll work them for a while, but then they'll, they're always kind of thinking of some way, well, how can I make create my own business? Or how can I break out of this nine to five, you know, matrix model and, you know, do my own thing, you know, um, uh, because they like to have autonomy over their schedule. You know, these are people that just love to, to have that freedom, I think, you know, just to feel like they like to be with the flow. Okay. Um, so and there's a lot of Palladians that um, are coming across in, in my world, in my readings as well, um, oh, stepping, out, stepping out of the matrix, as you said, you know, they're, they're very, emp- emp- like, definitely empathic. They're definitely stepping out of and into these um, new roles and stepping out of, you know, oh, totally. systems <laughs> that are. Now, a lot of them go into alternative healing careers or yes. uh, wellness careers. I get a lot that become yoga instructors or. Yes. breath work, you know, specialists, or, I mean, they, or they become dietitians, or I don't know, they just, they just really love the wellness and uh, alternative healing careers. Uh, yeah. If, the, if they don't go into the animal careers, you know, so. Yes. Um, yeah. uh, so that's awesome that you're seeing the same thing in your work. Um, I'm going to touch briefly on Arcturians and Andromedans. Oh, um, yes, please. Um, Arcturians and Andromedans are the most rare star seeds. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I would say probably Arcturian star seeds are even more rare, but I I don't often run across a lot of Andromedan star seeds, you know, um, because they weren't as, I would say, involved with creating the Earth human genome. So it's more difficult for them to find families on earth to incarnate into. Um, And plus they're a little bit more hands off, I guess, in their approach, but Arcturian star seeds. um, And I can speak to this because I'm, I'm an Arcturian star seed. uh, 
we tend to be multi-talented. So we're very technical. And I, I certainly have worked in tech fields for a lot of years. Um, so we can be very left brain, but at the same time, we're also super creative, you know, so we're kind of like that renaissance, uh, you know, man or woman, you know, so yeah. you see a lot of Arcturian starseeds that are great communicators. Um, they're, they're great public speakers, great at communicating, writing books. Uh, um, they're great teachers. Um mm-hmm. I believe that Dolores Cannon was an Arcturian starseed. So um, she was definitely a great teacher. Uh, Incredible. Yeah. She was just um, groundbreaking work, you know, just kind of, yeah. yeah, So, uh, you know, and, and we're also healers too, you know, so, but like Pleiadians, Arcturians are more psycho spiritual healers. Uh, so yes. Pleiadians healers, when they work with healing, they like to work with um, psycho-spiritual. So they like to work with more the emotions, okay? Um, Arcturian starseeds are the same way. So we don't necessarily delve that deep into physical healing. We like to work more on a spiritual level, you know, more on an energetic level, Um uh, as far as personality traits, uh, we tend to have, we tend to be super sensitive. I would say kind of similar to the Pleiadian, super sensitive, uh, um, not very well suited to planet Earth. So I, I think in the, at least for a while, we might have a lot of health issues, at least until we become well integrated into um our star seatedness and, you know, um, and embrace that. But, um, and as we raise our vibrations, I think that helps with the health issues. Uh, but, um, we tend to be pretty strong minded people. I I think we're very much mission driven, kind of like the Syrians, you know, super mission driven. Um, uh, a little bit more serious of a personality, I would say. Um, but very loving, I would say very um, uh, compassionate people. Okay. Um, But maybe not a little bit more private, a little bit more reserved than Pleiadians, I would say. So, uh, and Lyrans. Andromedans too are a little bit more reserved. Um, Andromedan star seeds. So Andromeda was another one of those star systems that was, colonized. Um, it actually had quite a few different races. Um, mm-hmm. So there was a lot of non-human races also in Andromeda, but yeah. uh, but specific to humanoid Andromedans, um, they were also descendants of Laren refugees that ended up in the Andromeda system after the fall of Lyra. And uh, Andromedans are very frequency oriented. So these were people that are very high they when they do healing work they're very high level yes yeah very high level. sound sound healing and yeah level yeah incredible yeah very high level um very technologically um savvy people mm-hmm. so, so i get a lot of andromedans that become scientists or doctors um uh quite a few of them they're not great in communication, um, mainly because in Andromeda, they spoke with frequency. So 
they might have struggle with with verbal communication. Yeah. Right. Uh, but um, and they tend to be a little bit more not standoffish on purpose, but they kind of just do their own thing. Okay. Um, these were people that just, um, I would say for the most part, uh, kind of follow the beat of their own drummer. So freedom is like a key word or a mantra for them. So they have to have their freedom. Um, very yeah. independent people. Um, Pleiadians are very interdependent. So they love to be connected with other people. Yeah. Andromedans just like to do their own thing. So, yeah, right. yeah. And so um, I, for those that are listening and they're picking up all um, like, you know, some aspects of Palladian are really resonating with me or some aspects of, you know, Lyra are resonating with me. You can have different, you can be pulling from different um, star systems. Star systems, can't you? Yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah, I would say um, the majority of us have had incarnations in more than just one system. Yes. A lot of times I'll get people that come for me for readings and they'll be like, oh, you mean I wasn't just from the Pleiades? And it's like, no, you've been in a few systems. I mean, this because yeah. our souls are so ancient. I mean, we've been, yes. you know, we've been having experiences, you know, all over the galaxy, you know. So so a lot of times I I, I don't know if you do this too, but when I'm doing the Akashic, Galactic Akashic reading, I'm trying to look at the systems that have most influenced that person, mm -hmm. so maybe the major systems. So, yeah, you might have some Syrian qualities, but then you also may have some, some you know, Pleiadian, you know, qualities, you know, or you might be, uh, you might have some Lyran qualities, but also Syrian or, you know, or Vagan, you know, so, yeah. um, so that's not uncommon. So that's yeah. a good point that you brought up that um, a lot of us have had incarnations and in multiple systems, you know, which I think kind of makes up our own unique personalities, you know. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah. Exactly right. Um, while we're on the topic of um, different star systems, and I know we're talking about the Draken Wars and everything, um, a lot of reptilian talk is kind of coming up in um, our local community. And I just wanted yeah. to share what your interpretation of what reptilians are and why they're here on Earth. And I know not all are bad. You know, they're obviously, as you mentioned, there were some that actually wanted to leave the, the, the wars. What's your interpretation of who they are and why they're here no, oh, that's that's a great question. Um, I'm going to have to give the abridged version here, but <laughs> yeah, sure. we can go good. into hours and hours about yeah. reptilians. But um, uh, so reptilians, after uh, you know, they came from this different universe. They were beings that they must have caused some really bad problems in that universe because they got kicked out and they were deposited yeah. in our universe, and so. These were always service to self beings. Now, I wouldn't say 100% of them are service to self. There's certainly some benevolent reptilians out there. But for the sake of, I would say, just overall history, I'll focus on the more negatively oriented ones. But yeah. Um, so, so the Draconians have been trying to take over the galaxy for millions of years. Um, and they were successful in certain star systems, such as Orion, you know, so they took yes. over, you know, some of the star systems in Orion, such as Betelgeuse, Bellatrix, and Rigel. Um, those, those were three major strong point, um, strongholds of the reptilian empire or the draconian empire. Uh, mm. um, 
So they were trying to conquer the entire Orion system, but in the belt stars of Orion, that was where most of the, I would say, more positively oriented folks lived, and they didn't. They wanted to maintain their sovereignty. So there was constant wars in Orion for millions of years. Yeah. Um, eventually, the Galactic Federation got involved and uh, was trying to help unify Orion. Um, so when Orion became unified some of these reptilian you know people or these beings didn't want to become unified they didn't want to become a part of the unification process so they escaped to earth and thought well we'll just take over this planet and we'll continue our shenanigans you know here on this planet so so earth has been i would say more or less controlled by these dark beings for thousands of of years okay um and so a lot of them currently are part of the elites or part of the dark cabal or the Illuminati or whatever you want to call them. But they've had, I would say, most of the control over planet Earth, um, at least in the 3D realm. Um, mm. But uh, my understanding is, you know, they've they've played out this long history with Earth, but now that we're earth is ascending. Um, so earth is currently ascending from third dimension to the fifth dimension. They know that they're losing their stronghold. So they're pulling out all stops to try to keep control of the planet. But, um, but this isn't going to be, um, I would say a permanent thing. I think eventually we are going to ascend and, you know, they'll just either have to move on or, you know, go, go someplace else or, or become part acclimated to, you know, the ascension process. But um, there are some positively oriented reptilians. Um, some of them ended up in Sirius, like we mentioned before. Yeah. Um, so they tend to be really phenomenal healers. Um, I've done a few readings, um, not many, but a few Akashic readings for folks with reptilian genetics or, or reptilian, draconian star seeds um more the positively oriented ones obviously but yeah. um I mean, do they originate from the dragons at all yeah 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 most of the positively oriented ones are dragon cast um okay yeah so uh dragons uh so there was like a hierarchy system in draco dragons were top tier so they were more neutral they they weren't negatively focused or positively focused. They just kind of did their own thing. Yes. Some of them became more positive. They wanted to help the humans or at, from time to time. But um, the draconians that have caused most of the issues are what I call the warrior caste. So these are your traditional looking um reptilians that you see in ufology that, you know, they kind of stand on two legs and they have like a humanoid body, but lizard like features, you know, so um, uh, a lot of them are shapeshifters, so they can look very human, um, but their true form is reptilian. So you get some of those or you get some folks that are human reptilian hybrids, you know, which is like the Anunnaki that used to visit Samaria, you know, so, yeah. you know, so th those beings were were more of a hybrid being um 
but yeah, there was there was some positively oriented ones. But yeah, I would say most of the more positively oriented ones that come to me for readings, they've all been dragons. Yeah. All dragons. Yeah. Yeah. Incredible. Yeah. And are there any common themes in your sessions that you're noticing about where we're heading? Like, can you share any your experience about the ascension? You mentioned before about the 3D to 5D. Um, is there anything mm-hmm. that you're seeing that's coming up? I would think a lot of people talk about the event. I don't see one big event. Okay. Um, what I see is a series of events. Uh, so I think our ascension process is going to be very gradual, not just all at once. Like, you know, oh, we all going to rapture up into the fifth dimension. <laughs> you know, I don't think it's going to work like that. I think we have to because we're we have very 3D bodies, we we have to get up continuously upgraded. Yes. Uh, you know, so that's that's what I see. I do see that right now, I think um there's there's gonna be more of a separation between those of us that are moving into these higher dimensions and those that choose to say stay in 3D. So yeah. eventually we're gonna be seeing that we're not going to be interacting as much with folks that are 3D like we have in the past. Um, Mm -hmm. Right now, we're still giving the opportunity to help those folks, but if they choose to stay in 3D, they've made their choice. Um, So there's going to be more of the separation. So um, we're not going to be residing in the 3D as much. Um, many of us are currently in the 4D and uh, some in, in lower runs of 5D already. So uh, so, I, so I would say that's usually where, um, what I think where the ascension symptoms come in is because we're, shift, we're constantly shifting our vibrations up and down, trying mm-hmm. to work with folks that are still, you know, in the, in the 3D. Yeah. So I don't know if that correlates with yeah. anything you're seeing. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Um, yeah, we're getting a few dates and bits and pieces that are coming through, but they're kind of multiple dates. So yeah, that kind of um correlates. Um, yeah, I'm kind of getting multiple dates too. And um as far as ET contact, um I do think there's going to be actual ET contact where everybody knows about it, where it's no longer like this big secret. Um probably by the end of this decade, if not sooner. So mm-hmm. I'm seeing like 2028, but. About to say that's, 2028 drop in. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah so, um, so at that point, earth will have no choice, but to move forward. I mean, things are not going to be to change. Um, there's no way people can stay asleep after that. I mean, unless they really want to choose to stay asleep, but I, I just don't see that happening. So uh, um, at that point, I think we're going to be rapidly um, really shifting into the higher realms at that mm. point. You know, the technology is going to be expanding. And yeah, so it's going to be, it's going to happen really, really fast. So, so to me, that's just like right around the corner because we're moving into 2023 already, you know? Yeah, so. that's right. Yeah. And a lot of the visions and um, that, uh, 
that's coming through is that it's more harmonious. You know, there's a lot more um, collaboration. There's a lot more harmony. Um, yes. So it's actually quite positive in terms of this shift and this um, this movement that we're all going to go through. So that's incredible that you're having um, similar dates as well. So I just want to ask you one last question. What's on the horizon for you? I know you mentioned do you have a course coming up. Can you share a little bit more about that before we wrap up? Yeah, I would love to. Uh so currently, uh, the reason why I'm not doing readings this week is because I'm knee deep into developing the Galactic Akashic Reading Course, which has been what mostly most awaited by many people <laughs> for years. Yes. <laughs> people have been asking me to do this for years. So it's going to be an eight week, um, mostly self-directed, but we'll be meeting together on Zoom and, and Google Meet, you know, just... Uh, so I'll be there guiding you along the way, but there'll be videos and, and a lot of supplemental materials that we're going to be offering you guys. So um, oh, sounds a incredible. lot of galactic history, a lot of galactic history in this course. So be prepared for a lot of galactic history. But, <laughs> um, but yeah, it's going to be um, unlike anything out there. So if you're interested in galactic Akashic reading, if you want to incorporate that skill into your repertoire, that would be the course to take. Uh, and I'm going to be probably doing more speaking engagements. Um, I've been invited to be a speaker at the um, Sedona Ascension Retreat um, Conference uh, in March. I'll be doing a spiritual webinar um, in Tulum, Mexico, also in March. Um, I'm doing Portal to Ascension in January. Uh, probably we will be back on Gaia um, for at least uh, the Open Minds show next year. So you'll, you guys will see me continue to see me on Gaia and you'll see me on Deep Space. So the next season of Deep Space, which are currently uh, producing or working on, um, uh, you'll see me pop in from time to time. Uh, and I'll still do some personal readings, too. So. Um, uh, so, yeah, so it's going to be a very busy year. Very, very yeah, sounds incredible. I was about to say you've got a um, a lot coming up. Very full plate. Yeah. yeah, we love your magic, Debbie. So thank you for um, sharing. Well, thank you for having me on. This has been really great. Yeah, some really great questions. And I uh, know I loved your energy when we were doing the reading together. I was like, oh, this girl's got it going on. You know, <laughs> um, she's going to be making strides there in Australia, you know, just shifting the frequencies there. But, um, uh, but Tara, it's been a real pleasure. Thank you for having me on. Uh, this has been um, just a really great conversation and uh, appreciate your love and interest. And uh, yes. um, I just wish you guys all the best there in Australia. Oh, thank you, Debbie. I, I too want to thank you from the bottom of my heart. Um, your knowledge and your wisdom and information you shared today. Thank you. Thank you so very much. <laughs> thank you. You guys have a great rest of your e uh, day. Uh, it's my evening, but your day. Yes. So. Yeah. <laughs> All, right. Well, yeah. All right. Many blessings. Take care. Thanks, Debbie. that concludes today's conversation. If it lifted your spirit or touched your soul, it would mean the absolute world to me if you could leave a review and subscribe to this podcast so that more souls can be impacted by these life-changing conversations. And if you're not ready for this episode to end, head over to tarahegarty.com to get the show notes for today's episode. I love you so much and thank you for being here. I'll see you next week for another episode of Business Meets Soul.